generous person in the world. Why? Because he gave his own life for us. I mean, that's the gospel, right? The good news is that humans needed help and Jesus came and he lived a life, a perfectly lived life. He always did those things which pleased his Father. And then he died on the cross, not for his own mistakes, but for our mistakes, for our blessing, for as a gift for us. And all of that he did because God's love is extravagant and generous. Our God is a generous God. He's given us life free will, and incredible blessings to enjoy every day. He also gave us His only Son, a perfect and blameless Son, to come and die for our sins. Jesus paid the ultimate price by taking the punishment for our sins. Now we can be in the family of God forever. In today's message, Pastor Daniel reminds us of this incredible generosity of our Heavenly Father, urging us to follow His example. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 3 John verse 1 with part one of his message, The Way to Be. You know, each one of us when we're growing up, we learn all sorts of things about what's important. I remember, like many people, I kind of struggled with school. I was always decent at it. I just didn't really feel like having to deal with most of it, you know? And I remember I had that point, that crisis point in, in the middle of college. I just finished my second year of college, and I was kind of, I was pretty far down the road on uh, finishing up a psych major, but I was kind of disenchanted with school. It was kind of like the fun of freshman year had worn off, and I was kind of in like the grind of sophomore year, second year of school. And I remember I just like kind of went home that summer and said, you know, I'm quitting school. I'm done with this. That's kind of what I did. And I remember my parents, they set me down, like, you know, good parents, and they had like the grown-up talk with you. You know, and I remember, I'm just like, well, you know, this costs a lot of money and this and that. And so I'm like, you know, what am I really getting out of it? You know, and, and I remember my dad said, and he said, you know, he's like, you know, Daniel, if you finish college, at least that will be on your resume. So I stayed, you know, I kind of took that counsel and I started thinking about this because oftentimes we spend our entire lives kind of making decisions to build our resume. I'm not saying that building your resume is bad, but if you are intentional your entire life about building your resume and your focus is on the details of your resume, oftentimes you neglect to notice that really the details of your resume aren't as important as the details of your eulogy. I was like, huh? See, if you want to live a life that has purpose and meaning... You don't focus on the resume, you focus on the eulogy. Like, when you're gone, what are your loved ones and family members and friends going to say about you? Because I'll be honest with you, like, I've never once gone to a funeral or officiated a funeral where someone said, well, he got his college degree. (laughs) You know? And I never once have been at a funeral where they said, well, you know, it was just really great, like... They just worked their life away and they started in the mailroom and they made their way to middle management. See, 
the qualities and the qualifications on your resume are not the most important things. I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm not advocating pretending like your resume doesn't exist. But what I am advocating is making sure that we live our lives for the most important things. In the midst of building a resume. And our world has a tendency to kind of shape us to making the resume more important than real character. And so this little is the new big series has been fun. I'm so, every time we start a series, I'm always like, okay, Lord, what's going to happen? And then every time we get to the end of the series, I'm like, man, where did the time go? But this little is the new big series. We've been taking the five little books of the Bible. There's five one chapter books. And what we've been finding is that although they're little in size, they're big in content. And so we've seen the book of Jude, right? We've seen second John. We've seen Philemon. We've seen the book of Obadiah. So we got one left. So open up in your Bibles to third John, third John. So grab those Bibles. I'll get you to third John. Or if you have a smart device, I want you to open that thing up, type in three John. Third John is easy to find because if you open to the end of the Bible, you have the book of Revelation. The book right before Revelation is the book of Jude. That's one of the mini books. And the book right before Jude is Third John. So it's in between Second John and the book of Jude. And literally, Third John is the shortest book in the Bible. This is the smallest of the little ones, just based on word count alone. This is the tiniest book that you have in your Bible. Now, I'm calling this message the way to be. And the reason I'm calling it that is because in a lot of ways, 3 John is very similar to 2 John in its content. But the ways that this book is encouraging us to be, what I want to encourage you is that these are things that everybody deep down in their heart kind of wants. But I believe that we need to be purposeful on keeping on growing in these areas. And in a lot of ways, in Christ, if you are here today and you are in Christ, and I think there's a lot of you here who are, I also realize that there are a lot of you here right now who you're not in Christ yet. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But I think no matter where you find yourself, either in Christ because you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're seeking to follow him, or maybe you're here and you're just exploring Jesus or someone kind of, you know, a loved one drags you here, however that was, Right. I think no matter where you find yourself, everybody believes that this is the way that we ought to be. And so for those of you who are in Christ, what I want to say by way of introduction to you is that just because you're in Christ, this is who you are in Christ, but not all of us are living these things out. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's something that you have to be intentional to say, am I really growing in this? Because by nature of you being in Christ doesn't mean that this is the characteristic of your life, although it should be. And the reason I can say that is because I've been walking with Jesus for about 17 years right now, and every one of these things on this list are something that I have to continually be working on. None of these things on this list would I say, I got that baby wrestled to the ground and he tapped out. And some of these things, I've been confronted with my lack of being this way this very week, which is always fun. I always say, Lord, let me live my messages that I'm going to share so I don't speak to you from my brain. I speak to you from my heart. And that's a terrifying prayer, I'm telling you. But these are ways that God wants to grow us up. And I want you to allow the Spirit of God to really do some work in you to speak so that you can hear which ones you need to kind of re-up on being purposeful about. So let's just jump right on in. In verse 1 of 3 John, it says this, The elder to the beloved Gaius 
whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, we find that the elder wrote this, and this has been historically attributed to the Apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John, Second John, First John, Second John, now Third John. He was also the one who received the Revelation. We call it the Apocalypse or the Book of Revelation, right? This same John, he was the one apostle, right, who wasn't martyred for his faith. Although they tried, he was the only one who died of natural causes, according to church history. And so he's writing this to the beloved Gaius, whom there's a number of Gaiuses in the Bible, but none of them can we actually attribute to this guy. So we don't know specifically who Gaius was. And if you were with us when we studied Second John a number of messages ago, this theme of love and truth is very much the Apostle John's message. He was known as a son of thunder, but Jesus transformed him into the Apostle of love. And the early church writings would tell us that the Apostle John, he'd go to a church meeting and they'd bring him up to the front, man, the Apostle John is here. And he was old and advanced in years. He'd go up to the front where everyone was and he'd say, love one another. And then he would, he's like, oh, I'm done. You know, three words. That was, that was his message. And so we find reoccurring themes here, but because we did Second John about four messages ago or three messages ago, I didn't want to just kind of rehash that. We talked about that we should be true, that the truth is love, and we have all of these themes here in the first couple verses. John says he loves Gaius in truth. Things like he has no greater joy than his children walk in truth. Greatly rejoiced that brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, that you walk in truth. So you have all these themes again. But I wanted to give you something fresh and an important way to be. And I really zoned in on verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So my brothers and sisters, we need to be healthy. We need to be healthy. It's interesting. He says here, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. What he's saying is he's saying, listen, he's saying, Gaius, you are healthy spiritually, and I also pray that you are healthy physically. Now, what's amazing is, is that this is an important message because we live in maybe the most affluent culture in the world and also one of the most unhealthy cultures in the world. And so the Bible does speak to this reality that we should seek to be healthy, not just spiritually, but spiritually and physically. Now, I realize that when you say that, you're like, well, there's a lot of variables in human health. Physically, there's DNA and there's biology, there's socialization, and that's all true. But we always have to remember that God created us spiritual and physical, and as spiritual beings, we do need to do our best to take care of our physical bodies, not because we want to live up to some sort of a body image that our culture gives us. But if you remember what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, 
which are God's. See, the reason you and I should seek to be healthy physically, just as in Jesus our soul is prospering, is because these bodies are the temples that contain the Holy Spirit. And we want the temple of the Holy Spirit to be in good working order that the Spirit of God can move through our lives into a broken world for as long and as effectively as humanly possible. That's a whole different motivation like, well, I just want to look good on Instagram. Or I just, I really, you know, I got a wedding picture coming up and I just don't want to look bad in the wedding picture for my grandchild or my child or whatever. See, God wants us to be healthy so that our bodies will be under the authority of God's spirit who is in us as we are under the authority of Jesus, that we could be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. God has chosen for his spirit to indwell a body. And you have to realize that oftentimes within Christianity, what you end up is you end up with this kind of belief that, well, because the world is passing away and, you know, it's going to hell in a handbasket, so I'm just going to eat the pie and I'm going to die, you know? And that's kind of the mentality. But you have to remember that the New Testament teaches that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, our faith is an embodied faith. God could have saved us outside of the physical world, but he chooses to use this physical world to be a vehicle for salvation to happen. And in a lot of ways, what's gone on is that because God has grabbed a hold of the hearts of Christians, then the enemy comes in and says, well, listen, it doesn't matter what your body, you know, who cares about your body? Just like, it doesn't matter. And that's actually not biblical Christianity. That's actually Gnosticism. That was a heresy that was going through the early church. Like, well, it's spiritual. Who cares what you do with your body? Now, quite simply, if you want to be healthy, there's really three variables that everyone talks about. What you eat, how much your body moves, and the amount of sleep that you have. Some people get into their diet stuff. But listen, God said everything is lawful for us to eat. But you also have to realize that we live in a day and age where capitalism has changed the way we eat food. You have to know that. You can eat anything, but high fructose corn syrup is really bad for you. You know that, right? God didn't create high fructose corn syrup. And don't get me wrong, I got me a hankering for that stuff. I got me a palate for that stuff. I like me some high fructose anything. I like anything that's sweet. Let's just be honest. And if you've been here long enough, you guys know what I'm talking about. But we have to be careful because we live in a day and age where our eating habits are also becoming diminishing to the work of God's kingdom. Our lack of exercise. We live in a sedentary culture by and large, right? Because if you move from an agrarian culture to an industrialized culture, and now we live in an information culture, you know what I mean? Then you don't have to move your body in the same ways because things are being automated, but that impacts our health. And of course, the amount of sleep that we have and the quality of the sleep that we have. You know, as we live in a world of lots of sugar and lots of caffeine, and now you mix sugar and caffeine, you get yourself an energy drink and all this stuff, then we don't sleep as well. And all of these things hinder the work of God's kingdom through our bodies because our bodies break down quicker. And then, of course, we have medical science, which helps us live longer. So we're living longer, but we're living less healthy, and you have a whole other set of variables. So really what I just want to encourage you is I want you to start praying verse 2 over your own life and the life of those around you. Simply, 
I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Because I don't know about you, I want to get to the end of my days and however long God wants to give me here, there'll be fruit for my labor. And I think that part of that, we want to be as fruitful as we can. We want to be as fruitful stewards of the life that God has given us for as long as he has given it to us. Now, again, you guys know I'm not preaching down on anyone because some people like working out. I think they're nuts. I don't like it at all. It is no fun. I don't like watching what I eat at all. I like eating. If it's edible, I'll try it and enjoy it, you know. And you guys know, those of you who know me know this about me. But at the same time, as long as God has me here, I want my body to be under the authority of the spirit of God that is within me, that is under the authority of the true and living God. So as long as God would have us here, we would be getting at it as hard as we can for the work of God's kingdom. Amen? So now some of you, I say this, and you, some people get upset when you talk this way, but this is what I would say. If you know that you're not healthy and there's things that you can do about it, and there is, then do it. I would be a lousy pastor if I said, well, listen, who cares? No, listen, some of us need to lose weight. I'm in that category. Let's try and do that. And let's get a new relationship with food and a new relationship with activity. And let's do a better job of sleeping. And let's not condemn one another for it. Let's just, in Jesus' name, say, come on, we can do better than this. Amen? And listen, it's an important message because if the Lord tarries, if the Lord tarries, we want to be here and as effective as we can be for as long as we can. Because these bodies are not our own. We were bought at a price. That body that you're sitting in, it's not yours. It's the Lord's. This body is not mine. This is the Lord's body. And am I a good steward of the Lord's body? So we need to be healthy. And we want to be vibrant. Now, not only that, you move into verse 5. Look what it says next. It says, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers of the truth. See, now, Gaius is being praised by the Apostle John because of the way that he lives. And really what I want to share with you today is not only should we be healthy, we should also seek to be generous. There should be a generosity of spirit. See, he's saying, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. See, Gaius was one of those people that at every chance he had, when people were traveling through the early church and they were coming, Gaius was one of those people who would receive them and he would bless them and he would send them out in a way that was worthy of somebody who was following the Lord and serving the Lord. Now, being generous is something that goes all through the Bible. And Gaius has this beautiful testimony of he faithfully does this stuff. Look in the middle of verse 6. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. See, Gaius is being encouraged because of the generosity in which he lived. Now, you got to ask yourself, are you somebody who would be characterized as being 
generous. And I'm not only talking financially, I'm talking with your time and with your talents and sure, with your money. Are you somebody who has time to be generous or every time something goes on, do you see it as an inconvenience? See, the reality is, is part of the witness of the people of God is this radical generosity. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. That last verse, it's speaking about how Abraham, how he's sitting in his tent, and there were angels who were there, and Abraham, in the heat of the day, while he was resting, took time to bless these angels, and he received this amazing promise. Listen to Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in my name, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. See, the Bible actually speaks to the fact that when you are hospitable or generous with someone else, it's as if you're being generous with the Lord himself. So is generosity a characteristic of our lives? See, Jesus is and will always be the most generous person in the world. Why? Because he gave his own life for us. I mean, that's the gospel, right? The good news is that humans needed help and Jesus came and he lived the life, a perfectly lived life. He always did those things which pleased his father. And then he died on the cross, not for his own mistakes, but for our mistakes, for our blessing, for as a gift for us. And all of that he did because God's love is extravagant and generous. And then he says, now I want you to go and do likewise. And then for a lot of us, we're like, okay, great. I got saved. Good. All right. And we never think that, no, now that God's generosity has been has impacted me, now I'm going to live my life with the same generosity that the Lord has displayed to me. See, generosity, I mean, I've been to many funerals, like, man, this is the most generous person you've ever met. He'd give you the shirt off his back. Isn't that like something you want to hear about yourself? Like, this person was bent on trying to be a blessing. Every time they had the opportunity, they wanted to be a blessing. See, but for many of us, what goes on, of course, is that we, we begin to follow Jesus and oh, we're like, well, it's all, it's about me. It's about what I want and my thing. And it's, it's mine, right? But God wants to move us from a kind of a, a stinginess, a self-centeredness to a generosity. See, when you're generous, the reward that you get for your generosity is seeing God's kingdom touch down in someone else's life. See, it has its own reward built into it. So would you be characterized by generosity? I mean, I think even when you think about Crossroads as a church with the generosity, we don't do talk about money a lot here. But literally, this church runs on the gifts of probably about 25% of the congregation. Literally, 25% of this congregation funds everything and 75% don't play a part in that at all. I think that that's kind of tragic, don't you? I mean, being a family, everyone has a part to play in that. But we realize that generosity is a quality of God. It's who the Lord is. And God wants us to be generous as well. So I want to encourage you. Are you being generous? Jesus is... Our God is a generous God, 
Pastor Daniel shared today all about the blessings our Creator has heaped upon us. He's given us bodies to dwell in and earth to take care of and people to love us and care for us. He even sent His Son to die for us, paying for every sin we've ever committed. His generosity has inspired many to be a blessing to others and needs to inspire us to do the same for the people we see every day. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is that this year we launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. We would love to invite everyone to come and join Crossroads Southwest Portland on Sundays at 10 a.m. We're growing, and honestly, not just in Southwest Portland, but all over the country and the world as people join us at our online campus, 9, 11, and 1 p.m. or Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. on our online campus, crossroadslive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel teaches the importance of being humble, having a good testimony, and being kind. These characteristics define who a Christian is and are meant to set us apart from the world we live in. As we walk this life with Jesus in a different manner, we'll attract questions. Our answers will hold more love and weight, though, when we're imitating our Savior. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.